Hi everyone and welcome back to Inside the Law. I am your host Lily and today I'm joined by Dave Clark, an employment lawyer. Dave focuses on employment-related disputes including harassment, discrimination, fraud, and unfair competition. Today, Dave will be discussing his journey in becoming a lawyer as well as informing our audience on the role of an employment lawyer and providing tips on how to handle employment-related disputes. Hi, Dave. Welcome to Inside the Law. So just to begin, what first drew you to becoming a lawyer? Were there any outside influences that just kind of um, sparked in a passion or in, in something that made you want to become a lawyer? Yeah, a few things. Uh, you know, I didn't have a, a relative or, or anything like that who was a lawyer that, that I, I sort of had as a mentor or a model or anything. But uh, you know, growing up as an American, you're always aware of of lawyers. They they play a big role in in movies and TV and stuff. So uh, you know, it's it's certainly something that that everyone's aware of. And for me personally, I thought it was uh, a good way to to continue doing things that I liked doing in in high school and college, which is uh, you know writing, including writing concisely and persuasively, reading, uh, working with ideas and conveying concepts, both through writing and in-person presentations. Um, so I was, when I was in college, I was a, a history and political science major. And it, it sort of logically followed that I might go to law school. Um, and in addition to all that, you know, being a lawyer, it's it's a learned profession. There's kind of a certain amount of respect that that goes with it. You've you've put in a lot of work to get there. You've passed the bar, um, and it's it's an opportunity to earn a good living. Really, um, you know, you have the opportunity to to earn a good salary and and you know make make enough money to hopefully live comfortably. Yeah, definitely. So where'd you go to law school? I went to Harvard Law School in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Oh, interesting. Um, and was what was law school like for you? Was it very different than college or was it, was it a similar experience? And um, just in what ways was it different or did it surprise you at all? I, I did find it quite different and a bit surprising. Um, my college experience was probably like many people um it's you know a group of people who've who've just for the most part come out of high school and they're excited to be there and there's kind of school spirit and uh you know it's it's in many cases the the typical college experience but law school i found to be different first because it's it's uh something of a trade school, you know, you're learning skills uh, that are specific to um, to your intended career as a lawyer. And, you know, frankly, there's a lot of motivated people there. For people going to college, it's, it's often, you know, the next logical step after high school. Uh, but people going to law school, typically, they want to be lawyers, and they're into it. And they uh, are good at it, and I found um, I found it more difficult to um, uh, 
there's a there's kind of a different learning process at law school that that I that I encountered, um, and I can I can get into that a little more, but uh, I think for for me it it was different from college. So I'll just leave it at that for now. Yeah. Okay, definitely. Yeah, can imagine. Um, and if you could just think back, what were some of the biggest lessons that you think that you learned in law school? And have you used any of them in your daily life now as an employment lawyer? Like, have you seen anything that you remember learning in, in law school, like shine through now in your job? Mm -hmm. You know, certainly, um, just generally speaking, I, I've learned to, um, to kind of keep at it uh you know law school's uh kind of a, a marathon you know the classes you take as opposed to college there um you usually just have kind of a final exam so you've got to be self-motivated to you know do your reading uh and keep up with things go to class and um yeah then perform well on on the test and you know that's that's certainly true as a lawyer um for the most part nobody's grading the work that you do until until you're before a judge or an arbitrator uh you know then it's something like a final exam and you have to perform and if you haven't done your your homework or your your work leading up to that um you're probably not going to do very well um Another lesson I think that I learned from law school, uh, and if I had to do it over again, I would do more of is to um, to take every advantage to um, to be able to participate in hands-on activities, such as uh, in law school that you often have the opportunity to uh, work at a clinic for maybe providing immigration law services or family law services or tax advice. Uh, and I really didn't do a lot of that or any of that really at law school. And I wish that I had because um, it's it's something that, you know, definitely would have benefited me in my training as a lawyer. And I think as a lawyer working at a law firm, like I do anyway, uh, you want to always be in there uh you know during the work in the trenches uh keeping your skills sharp um so you know those are i guess a couple of lessons that i i would take from law school interesting definitely so just kind of going like kind of chronologically what jobs have you held since um law school what, what, what were some of the jobs that you held since law school yeah um you know, I'm a little unusual in that uh, I've only had two jobs since law school, since I graduated law school. Um, and that was, let's see, uh, 1996. So my first job was at a, a small New York law firm called Lane and Mittendorf. And I worked there for a little over three years as a commercial litigator got some uh you know good experience um because it's because it was a relatively small firm with uh relatively smaller clients and smaller cases compared to some of the big law firms 
So, you know, as a young attorney, I was able to do more, take depositions, do more writing, do, do oral arguments um, at an earlier time in my career than I think I would have maybe in some other jobs. So anyway, that was that was my first job for about a little over three years. Then since since the year 2000, I've been at my current job at um, a somewhat larger law firm, but still not one of the mega law firms um, at uh, Epstein, Becker and Green is where I work now. Still a commercial litigator, um, but focusing on um, employment related law. And are the cases at your um, newer law firm, are they still, are they more bigger cases? Or are they still kind of small, like your old law firm? They, it varies, but generally speaking, they're a, a bit larger in terms of the amount that's at issue. Yeah. And then, so just, could you briefly explain what your area of expertise is now and just kind of what your day-to-day -day, daily job kind of looks like? Mm -hmm. Sure. My area of expertise, um, as I say, I'm a commercial litigator, um, you know, really able to handle all sorts of um, commercial disputes between companies or, or individuals or individuals and companies. Um, but I, I do focus on employment related disputes. And in particular, I do a lot of work in um, an area called that's commonly referred to as restrictive covenants or non-competes. And that's when um, an employee is, is asked by his or her employer, usually a company, to sign an agreement, whether it, it can, this can happen when they start working or sometime in the middle of their employment. Um, and they're asked to sign an agreement which says something like, you'll agree not to work for a competitor for some period of time after you leave your employment here, or you agree not to solicit our customers for some period of time or our employees maybe for some period of time. And that is uh, fertile ground for a lot of disputes. Um, you know, as people um, change jobs, oftentimes, if they've signed one of those agreements, a dispute may arise. And, and particularly if they've been um, somebody who's client facing, who's, who's got a lot of good client relationships, the employer is going to be concerned that the person's going to take those away with him or her. Uh, but also if the person um, has knowledge or access to a lot of the company's trade secrets. You know, that's another situation where the employer is going to be very concerned about the person going directly to a competitor and, and giving away the secrets potentially. Hmm. Interesting. And what would you say is the most common issue that you see coming up in your practice? Is there one that you think would be like that you see the most often? Hmm. Uh, you know, lately, um, I'd say the most common issue that has been coming up relates to non-compete agreements. Uh, and there, there's been a lot of effort in state legislatures and 
at the federal level, you know, in Congress or at the Federal Trade Commission uh, to, to try to limit the use of non-compete agreements because they're often seen as unfair to the employee and, uh, you know, unnecessarily restrictive. And sometimes employers just ask, you know, all their employees to sign non-competes when they really don't need to. And that's kind of anti-competitive and uh, you know, potentially harmful to the economy. So there've been a lot of efforts, as I say, to, to limit those sorts of agreements. Some states have actually passed laws that, that limit their use. And there's, there's a potential um, federal trade commission rule that might be coming out next year that could um, ban those non-compete agreements you know, throughout the U.S. economy or, or make some other more limited restriction on them. So, you know, I get a lot of questions from clients about those, that issue, whether, whether they'll be able to ask their employees to, to sign non-competes now or in the future. And do you think that if that law, if non-compete agreements were banned, do you think that your job would change at all as, a, as, a, as an employment lawyer? Uh, somewhat. I think we'd still, I, I would still get, uh, you know, a lot of inquiries and work relating to um, non-solicitation agreements and um, in situations where confidential information is at risk when an employee is, is moving from one job to another. Um, so it, my job would change somewhat, but I think, you know, not completely. Got it. And how often would you say that you're, um, how that the disputes that you handle end up in court? Uh, not that often really as a, as a percentage. Um, most of the things that I work on are, um, you know, giving advice to clients on, on these sorts of issues. Um, but occasionally when the person who has, who's departing uh, the job really has, really poses a competitive threat, um, you know, the, the client will ask us to, to file a lawsuit or an arbitration uh, and you know, in these sorts of cases that, that I've been talking about, it probably happens, you know, only 10 or 15% of the time that it, it actually becomes a lawsuit. And then the other times are they held in like arbitration? Would, would that be the other option? No, the, well, it, it could be, um, but uh, that's, a, again, a pretty small percentage. But most of them just... Uh, get resolved one way or another, either uh, the employer, usually there's some kind of negotiated resolution in these sorts of cases, such as the employee agrees, instead of sitting out for a year, they'll sit out for three months, uh, and maybe the employer agrees to pay them for three, for those three months, and, you know, something like that is, is worked out. Um, but that's, that's not always the case. Got it. And then 
For our listeners who may not know, could you just explain how arbitration cases versus a kid that ends up in like a federal or state court, how those are different, I guess, from like a lawyer perspective? Sure. Um, both courts and arbitrations are um, forums in which disputes are decided, right? Uh, and the court system is is what you see on TV. There's a judge in a courtroom and maybe a jury as well. And um, eventually the case will make it to the courtroom and the judge will hear the evidence and hear the argument and make a decision about the dispute and, you know, rule on the issues for one side or the other. Arbitration is generally similar. It's still a method of having somebody make a determination on on the dispute, but it's it's really a difference in setting because it's not in a courtroom. It's in a conference room, usually at a, at a hotel or a law office or a courthouse even. Um, and instead of a judge, you have an arbitrator or maybe a panel of three arbitrators who will hear the evidence and the testimony and the arguments, and they will make the decisions eventually about the issues. Arbitrators are not as bound or limited as judges to follow the courtroom rules of evidence. Um, they're, they're allowed to um, act in a more equitable manner and, and make decisions based on what they think is, is right rather than necessarily following the law by the letter. Although they're supposed to, you know, they are supposed to be aware of the law and, and try to follow it, but they're not as limited as judges are in that respect. Got it. And then at in your time as a lawyer, has there been like a specific case that you've handled that's been noteworthy or a particularly complex case that you have handled that was like that maybe you learned something from that you could share? Sure. Um, I had a case uh, a few years ago um, for one of our clients who was a uh, who is a a big uh, banking and insurance company, and this case involved one of their uh, brokers who you know was basically a financial advisor. He managed people's money and tried to sell them various insurance project products. Um, you know those were his clients and. Um, he wasn't uh, a team player necessarily or, or a, a good performer, uh, and eventually he was fired. And he had he had an outstanding large loan from the bank when he was fired that he had to pay back. And he he also, which he didn't want to do, and he also, um, claimed that he was owed lots of money and commissions from, from the work that he had done with his clients. So 
he brought a federal lawsuit against the bank, which was our client. And uh, it was a very contentious uh, years long litigation that involved a lot of discovery disputes about, you know, you didn't produce the documents that you were supposed to produce, et cetera. And, um, you know, eventually it, it, it actually got to trial. As you may know, a lot of, not many cases actually make it to the trial. They often settle or resolve before then. But this one made it to the trial and we had a three week trial with, uh, you know, over a dozen witnesses on each side being called to testify and lots of evidentiary exhibits and um, a, a full jury of 12 members. Uh, so that was that was a real, you know, real courtroom experience like you see on television. And uh, we were we were lucky enough to prevail and, and get all his uh, his claims dismissed and and get an award for for our client for the, the loan money that that it was owed from him. Well, it's very interesting. Um, so since you've been in the field for a while, have you noticed in the past few years any particular trends that have um, transpired relating to employment law issues? Yeah, I think, well, going back to my my kind of focus area of non-compete agreements, I, I definitely see a trend over the last 20, 25 years that companies are less willing to to really fight it out on those and you know go to the mat and go to court um it, the legal costs for doing so are are just too much you know over over time they really add up and so it's just not worth it even for companies that um that feel legitimately threatened by by a um an employee who's unfairly competing at a at a new employer, um, it first it's it's often not worth it for the company to actually you know file a lawsuit against that person, but it's definitely not worth it to go the distance over you know several years of litigation. Uh, when I first started doing this work 20, 25 years ago, companies were more willing to do that. Um, but I think there's there's more uh, knowledge and experience among our clients that that it's it's very expensive and often not worth it to to fight those. Got it. And over the past few years, I'm sure you've seen there's a bunch of different like social movements, like the Black Lives Matter movement, and different like just an increased sensitivity around race and religion and sexuality. So, how do you think that this increased awareness and sensitivity has impacted the workplace and like and the cases that you've seen coming through? Yeah, it's it's definitely um, had an effect on the workplace. I think. I, you know, I haven't seen the statistics or, or looked at the statistics, but I do have the impression that um, that perhaps more cases are being filed, uh, you know, that, that kind of relate to discrimination claims or, or harassment claims. Um, some of my colleagues would know better. They, they kind of focus on, on that kind of work. But 
you know, the, the workplace is, is where different people come together and uh, that can and should be a wonderful, great thing uh, where, you know, people bring different perspectives and experiences and, and ways of tackling projects um, to, you know, to the same place. And that should make the workplace stronger and better. But, um, you know, as you know, it can be difficult. Sometimes people say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, uh, do things that others find objectionable, um, sometimes innocently, sometimes not so innocently. Uh, so I think, I think definitely employers are, are grappling with these issues more now than they were uh, 10 or 20 years ago. Um, Got it. And then, so just from like a different lens, just in more advice lens, for a possible viewer or listener who might be just wondering, could you provide any advice for someone who may be experiencing racial discrimination at their at their job or at where they work? Like, are there any steps that they could take in their own in their own atmosphere before reaching out to a lawyer? Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly. Uh, you know, it may depend on what type of job they have, right? If they work for a, a large company or state agency or um, municipal uh, aid organization, there's probably a path to follow in terms of making a complaint. Uh, and whether that, that might be to their supervisor or their manager, but you know, maybe maybe it's the case that the supervisor or the manager is the one doing the discriminating. Uh, so there's there's usually a path in in larger organizations like that to uh, submit a complaint to the human resources department and and you know kind of take a different uh, path rather than complaining to to your supervisor. And um, you know, so I would certainly advise anyone. Uh, who's experiencing discrimination or harassment at work to um, to make the complaint and hopefully the employer if if they're doing what they should should investigate the circumstances and and potentially discipline the person who's who's behaved improperly um, another thing that can be done by an employee maybe if if they're not getting any satisfaction from their employer or if they're at kind of a smaller job that just you know a smaller employer that doesn't have a big human resources department or any human any human resources department maybe they might uh want to contact um their local um state agency that handles these sorts of things i think in new york city it would be the new york city human rights department or the new york state Human Rights Department, you know, they might be able to lodge a complaint there and, and have a, a state actor do an investigation of the employer. Thank you. That's very helpful. Um, now, just to sort of begin to close off, these are just some more personal questions. If you had the chance to um, go back in time, do you think that you would still pursue law? I think I would, yeah. Uh, 
you know, it's it's been good <laughs> to be a lawyer, I think. Uh, I would... Um, I think I've been able to do, you know, good work for for my clients and uh, and to help my clients over the years. Uh, and I've been able to, you know, earn a living, provide for myself and my family. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would go back to law school. I might do, as I as I mentioned before, a few things differently. I think I'd try to get more hands-on experience uh, at law school. Um, so yeah, my answer is I would go back, but of course I, I always do wonder about other paths that, you know, not taken. <laughs> Definitely. And this is sort of a similar question, but do you think that if you weren't an employment lawyer, is there a different area of law that piques your interest or something that you might like possibly else would have wanted to focus on? Yeah, I, I often think about, uh, immigration law actually, and it's, it's a very specialized area of law that um, I must confess, I don't really understand uh, or, or know, you know, know the, the federal immigration statutes. Uh, so I'm not really able to, to practice in that area uh, now, but I think that's something that I would look into because I've always had an interest in, um, you know, immigration issues and, uh, and helping people who are, who are coming to the United States. Uh, so that's something I would, if I was doing it over again, I might, uh, I would certainly take an immigration law class at, at law school and, and see where that went. Definitely. And if you could just for, could you provide any advice for someone who is considering being, becoming a lawyer, someone who's a teenager who's thinking about going or someone who's thinking about going into law school? Just do you have any advice on becoming a lawyer in that path? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would certainly say, you know, go for it if 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 you're really interested in it, and and want to be a lawyer and and help clients, help other people navigate, you know, the legal system. Uh, absolutely, uh, but I, I guess I would caution that uh, you know a lot of people kind of drift into to law school because it's maybe they had a liberal arts major in college and, you know, they're not sure what, what the next step is and law school might, you know, maybe some of their friends are going to law school and they think, Hey, why not? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll go to law school as well. Um, that's, that's fine, but it's, it's not great. I think there should be more to it. Uh, a person heading into law school should you know, make themselves aware of, of what kind of jobs are out there uh, as, as a lawyer, uh, whether it's um, a prosecutor or a public defender or a corporate lawyer or an immigration lawyer, a family lawyer, you know, there's lots of paths. And, and if you have an interest in, in one of them or potential interest, um, you know, going to law school and focusing on that, I think, can really put you in a, a good situation in terms of, you know, getting a, a good start on your career. Definitely.